You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. And so Saul then says, as he's weeping and calling David his son, he says in verse 17, he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Saul's just like, I can't even believe you didn't kill me, man. I would have killed you. (laughs) If you came into a cave and all my men were there, you would have been toast. But how is it that you didn't kill me, David? Who does that? Well, the people of God do that, and that's the heart of God, is mercy, mercy. And so let's take a look at some scriptures on this. We can't pass this by without really looking at some New Testament scriptures and what the Bible says about not repaying people evil for evil. So first of all, let's turn to Romans 12, Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Now, what it means here to give place to wrath is to step aside and let it by. So wrath can come at you and boom, it can hit you in the face. Or you can step aside and let it go by. And that's what the Bible's teaching to do. Give place to wrath. Let it go by. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Did you hear that? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And then verse 21, this is Romans 12 still, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, with good. Overcome evil with good. No, I'm going to restrain myself. And I'm going to show him kindness and I'm going to let him go. But I'm not going to let him go without knowing that I could have killed him. (laughs) And in doing this, again, it heaps coals of fire on his head. It brings the conviction into his own life. And it, it really accentuates Saul's sin and brings it to light to himself. Let's read a few more scriptures on this. We're going to plant ourselves on this idea because... Friends, we all struggle with relationships, family relationships, friend relationships. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, we're living in a sinful world. You know, people are going to wrong you. 
you're going to wrong people. And that's why the Bible speaks so much of forgiveness instead of revenge. So Matthew 5, 38, Jesus is speaking. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, if someone slugs you in the face and knocks out your tooth, guess what you get to do to them? Slug them in the face and knock out their tooth. But then Jesus says, verse 39, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Verse 41, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. You see, they were living in Roman occupation times, and the Roman soldiers could say, hey, carry my stuff for a mile. By law, they could do that to a citizen. And so, you know, the, the people would get very angry and very bitter who are these foreigners in our land making me carry their stuff? And Jesus is saying, hey, best way to deal with that is put a smile on your face and go another mile. Yeah, sure, I'll help you. Absolutely, let's go. Oh, my mile's done? Guess what? I'll go another mile with you. What? I've never seen anybody do this before. What's up with you? Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. And so then verse 42, it says, Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What? Why should I do that? Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And when the Bible says, that you, says this, it's saying that you may be like your Father because children are like their parents. And so, you know, the apple never falls far from the tree. You've heard that? Well, if we're children of our heavenly Father, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We're to reflect Him and His character. And so it says... Do this so that you may be like your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, middle of verse 45, he makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Look, the, the worst sinners in our society, they love people who love them. We're all nice to our friends, as long as we're in friendly relations, we're nice to them. And so Jesus is saying, what really makes you stand out as a Christian, as a person who is Christ-like, or as an imitator of God, is that you will do good even to your enemies. That's what will distinguish you. That's what is supernatural. It takes a supernatural work. It would not be natural for David to do what he did in that cave. The natural thing would be to do what all of his men were urging him to do. Kill him, man. If we were watching a movie on this, we'd all be thinking, kill him, kill him, yeah. And do it slow, man, and make it hurt. 
Some of you are going, wow, that's a window into your mind that we don't need to see there. But that's human nature. And that's why they make movies like this, because it appeals to our flesh. But God's way is, no, David, even though Saul's done all these horrible things and he's after you and he wants to kill you, show him kindness right now. He's my anointed. Let him go. And leave him in my hands. And so David does. So verse 47, then we're still in Matthew chapter 5. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. And so the Bible wants us to be kind to people even when they're evil to us. I think I've shared this story before, but when I was working at this company called Photo Stencil, there was a guy there and um, he was, he's just kind of a rough around the edges kind of guy and uh, not a Christian. And he was uh, listening to the radio and on the radio, he had it loud for all the people on the manufacturing floor to hear. And it was sex talk, talk radio about sex very graphic, very detailed, and I happened to be there working uh, on the manufacturing floor at that time, and I'm listening to this going, what in the world? We're just all listening to this together? This is so embarrassing and so awkward, and I just went over, and I changed the channel, you know, and he was like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, oh, I'm just changing the channel. Listen to this music. Why? I'm like, that conversation was kind of offensive to me, He's like, oh, you're like a little kid, man. You're not an adult. You can't handle it, you know. And, 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 and he just started going off. And then, and then he started treating me very badly from that point forward, uh, just coming against me. And, uh, and so I was just praying. And, and then, you know, I said, hey, look, man, you need to calm down here. You know, I didn't do anything wrong and, you know, tried to reason with him. And, and he's like, what are you going to do? call HR or something? And I'm all, yeah, I think I will, actually. I think I'm gonna. And, um, and so then I, I prayed about it, and then um, I heard someone say, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday tomorrow or something. And so as I was praying, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, get him something for his birthday. And I'm like, I'll get him something for his birthday. And, uh, but no, I, it was my lunch break, and I went, I drove over to Target, I got him a gift card, I got him a card, and I said, hey, I heard your birthday, I just want to say happy birthday, and yada, yada, and gave him the card. And he was just like, whoa, thanks, man. And I'm telling you, the relationship changed after that, you see. It works, friends, it works. It doesn't always work, you know, you could treat someone good, and they still will, could harden their heart against you. You know, look at Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong, and he was kind to everybody. And yet still, they stuck him on a dead tree and they nailed his hands and his feet to it and they murdered him. And so he said, hey, they hated me and guess what, friend? They're gonna hate you too. But you keep treating people with kindness and with love to the best of your ability. (laughs) That's what you do. By the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's the heart of Christ. Remember that he didn't just go to the tree for no reason. It was an act of love. It was an act of mercy. It was an act of salvation. It was the greatest kindness to humanity. And he did it, you know, while he's bleeding and he's dying, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
That's the heart of Christ. That's the heart that he wants us to have. And God help us with this. In Jesus' name. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, verse 18. It says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Would you say that, you know, David called Saul his master. Would you say that Saul was a good and gentle master or a harsh master? He was a harsh master, obviously. (laughs) And so the Bible says, be submissive to your masters here, not just the good and gentle, but the harsh. Verse 19, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, that goes to show you how they used to treat their employees back then, uh, if you were beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. God sees When you're being mistreated, but you take it patiently with a good attitude, God sees it. And that's where our faith comes in. Because if we don't believe that God is there and God sees and God is in control and God's going to, you know, be my advocate and go to bat for me. If we don't believe that, then we will fly off the handle. But if we truly believe it in faith then we will be able to let go and let God. And so this is what Peter is saying. Hey, take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So verse 21, for to this you were called. To what? To get beat up, whether it be physically or verbally or whatever, even though you've done nothing wrong even though you're doing all the right things. You're just letting your light shine. Someone says, hey, let's lie so we don't get in trouble for this. And you say, no, I can't lie. And they say, what? And they persecute you because you're standing up for what's right and doing the right thing. And God sees that you're not at fault, that you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. He sees that. And guess what? You will be rewarded for that you will inherit a blessing. And so it says here, verse 21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. He didn't do anything wrong. Verse 23, who, when he was reviled, That means they spoke badly of him and they spit at him and they called him names. He was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, God, who judges righteously. Jesus committed himself to the Father and said, God, you see, you know, you've commanded me to walk this life and to go through this, and so I trust you. Verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, 
by whose stripes you were healed. The stripes are the wounds inflicted by the whip that cut across Jesus' back. By his stripes you were healed, a reference to Isaiah. Verse 25, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so as we are going through life and we have our souls in life, so to speak, coming against us for no good reason, then what are we to do? We're to think back on Jesus and how Jesus went through that and he suffered persecution at the hands of sinners and he took the stripes and yet did, he did nothing wrong. And his act was an act of love and kindness even towards his enemies. While, we, you, and I, while you and I were still enemies of Christ, he died for us. And so how are we to treat our enemies similarly? This is a tough teaching. I'm not saying this is easy. But guys, this is, this is what we can do by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We do not look at the commands of the Bible and say, well, that's impossible. No one can do it. Good thing Jesus died. Let's move on. <laughs> right? It's tempting. But no, God does not give a command unless he would give the power for us to live it out. And the power only comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we ask and we, we chase after his presence because to see him is to be like him. And as we get glimpses of God, then we're like him. We become like him. And so we go to church to get a, a greater glimpse of God to, it, to be in his presence. And, and like Moses went up on the mountain and was in the presence of God, what happened to him? He came down from the mountain, shining, glowing. What did he do to glow? He was just in the presence of God. You want to glow in life and shine forth the light of Jesus Christ? Just spend time with God. Be with him. Your life will be naturally transformed. And just like a tree cannot produce fruit by being anxious and worrying and straining for it. All right, I got one. No, it just receives the water, receives the sunshine, sucks up the nutrients with its roots, and the fruit comes naturally as a byproduct. And so you and I, we just spend time with Jesus, get watered in his word, suck up the nutrients, fellowship with one another, and the fruit will come, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we've mentioned this, but David's act of mercy accentuated Saul's own sin and brings it to light. Let's take a, a scripture about, uh, on this right now. Ephesians chapter 5. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 8. It says, for you were once darkness. Oh, man, you know, just getting past that one phrase right there. You were once darkness. Before we became a Christian, before we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were darkness. You're not just in darkness, but you were darkness. 
And for those of us who've received Christ as Savior and he's come into our lives, we understand that, don't we? Man, what a, what a contrast between before I knew Christ and now. I have the light of Jesus Christ in me. I'm no longer darkness. I'm light. Anyway, sorry. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Okay, so if we're, we're light in the Lord, here's the command, walk as children of light. Act like it. Because it's possible for us to be light in the Lord, but acting carnally, fleshly, rather than acting in the Spirit. And so the exhortation here is, hey, live it. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Are you interested in knowing what is acceptable to the Lord? It's so important for us to understand that out of gratitude and appreciation for what Christ has done for us, shouldn't we seek to please him and to discover what it is that pleases him? Are we indifferent about that? Oh, thanks for saving me, God. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over here and do what I wanna do now. Or are we gonna be like, whoa, thank you for saving me. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I please you? Is there, is there something that, that will bless your heart, God? And God says, there sure is. Spend time with me. Pray to me. Get to know me in, in the scriptures. Serve other people. Yeah, even that person that treats you bad. Be nice to them too. Because I was nice to you when you were bad. Remember the sun still came up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the rain still fell. And so that's the exhortation that God would have for us. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest or made known, made visible by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Whatever makes something visible is light. Guess what? God was using David in the life of Saul to make known to Saul his sin. And how did he do that? When Saul treated him badly, understatement, David treated Saul with kindness. And that exposed Saul's sin to himself like, you're way better than me, man. You are, oh my gosh, who does that? Who would spare his enemy when given the chance to kill him? And so Saul recognized that he was in the wrong. He was in the wrong. Let's go back to verse 20, 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're finishing up the chapter here. It says, and now I know, and this is Saul still speaking to David, and he concedes in verse 20, and now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, 
and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So this request from Saul reveals his fear. He's afraid for the safety of his family because in those days, the normal fleshy thing to do when you depose a king just to make sure that nobody will depose you is to kill him and his whole family. You see that when you go through the book of Kings, happen again and again. They killed him and they found all his 70 kids and grandkids and killed them too. And so Saul is, is afraid of this, that David would do this because that's what he would do. And that would be the, the normal fleshy thing to do. But now he's seeing in David, there's something in this guy that's supernatural, that's not fleshy, and it's God's anointing in his life. And it's his obedience to God over his fleshly urges and desires. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.